Right, let's get into the word for today. Today I want to talk about a topic that um, that is that's a bit controversial. Um, it it is it's a message about uh, what the gospel actually is. That some folk might say, "Well, I already knew that. That's it." Um, other, others will say, well, I don't believe that. I don't know if it can be like that. Now, the reason why I want to talk about eternal life and what eternal life is, is very simple. Whenever we believe something that is not the truth, even if it is in our minds put, put in the category of mediocre or not that important uh, or something like that, it would be... Um, you know, if we believe a lie about something, it always reflects to the character of God and who God is. Uh, especially in, in, the, in the area of eternal life and basically what the real gospel actually is. Now, when I talk about eternal life, and which I will explain in this session, it might be a bit longer service today. But when I talk about eternal life, uh, I found some folks said to me, Bertie, why don't we just preach on the love of God? Why don't we just preach God loves us? Um, you see, if we have something about, if we have the foundation of the gospel wrong, then, you know, the fact that we've got these teachings on God loves us uh, will, will be just an emotion, but it will not be something that can really empower you. And what I am after is something that can empower us. You know, as I preached this message this morning, and, um, and what's nice about preaching a message twice, three, five, three times, five times, ten times is, every time you minister it, you get better at what you do. Because as you minister it, you hear the Holy Spirit speak through you, speak to you, and it, it is almost this, um, like this um, discussion where it's like Eliana and I, if we would sit down, we would talk about... Uh, what we're going to do at our house or what we're going to do for the weekend or what we're going to do uh, with our kids or, or whatever. As we talk about life, we share ideas and we come to new insights and revelations about things. And this is what's, what happens when we minister. And as I ministered this morning, I just found the Holy Spirit just put something fresh in my heart and I can share that with you again. And now I will get something new again. Uh, so I'm excited about that and I'm excited to walk this through with you, church. Uh, I want you to know that as I sit here and minister to you, um, see this as a family. See this as fellowship together. Because this is what I see it as, communication, talking together about this, thinking together about the gospel. Now, when we see the gospel for what it truly is, and we see eternal life for what it truly is, the fruit that it produces is a value for the fruit of the Spirit. I want to say that as an introduction, and this is why I'm saying this. It also helps you to value others. It, it helps you to value life. Um, you all of a sudden don't value good works as 
uh, in the perspective of, oh yeah, I'm right with God, or God is empowering me to keep the law and be right with him, or that's just the right thing to do. It, it falls into a completely different category. We start to value good works as a fruit of the spirit of life, which just brings a joy to our minds, a joy to our heart that, is, that, that, that we can not actually explain. The Apostle Paul, he goes so far to say that what I want to see inside you guys is the fruit of the Spirit. And he said this to people um, as pertaining to finances. He says, I'm so glad that you gave to me uh, because of the fruit that abounds to your account. So what he's saying is, when I see that fruit inside you, the fruit is a manifestation of a certain root. And it shows forth a certain tree or the growing of a certain plant, uh, which will end one day at a certain place, which I'm going to explain to you. Now, um, let's begin at the beginning. When God made man, God went and he created the heavens and the earth. And, um, and then from the earth, in the earth he made a garden, and the garden he made out of the dust of the earth. And then he came and he made man. And he made man out of the dust of the earth. And he blew the breath of life into man. And man became a living soul or a life that is alive. And this man then had the opportunity to live in a relationship with God. And as he was living in a relationship with God, there came... Uh, a tempter or the devil or what is called the murderer of mankind. Uh, you know, th the devil was a murderer from the beginning. From the creation of the earth, uh, you know, and when man was made and started to walk on the earth, from then you find his plan was to destroy man and kill man. And, uh, and he comes and he brings forth a system that manifests something inside man that is completely contrary to God. Now, God is called the only immortal, living in an unapproachable light. The only one possessing immortality is God. That means any other thing is subject to or has the ability to die. That means... Um, and you might be shocked by this, but if the Bible says God, the only immortal, it means God, the only immortal. It means that anything else that there is in existence can end. The earth can end, stars can end, anything, anything that was created by God does have, the, does have access to come to an end if it wants to. So God possesses this immortality and he gave it to man. But he warned man and he said to man, listen, I make you alive. And if you want this life that I've given you to be eternal, in other words, I make you from dust. Um, I do, I, I'm a free will being. I don't want to override. Uh, I cannot live outside of who I am. So I will create you out of death. Basically, because dirt or dust is dead. And God took this dust, which was dead, out of it, he, he brought forth life, and 
he said to this life, listen, you can now eternally exist or eternally live, should you want to, by eating of the tree of life. And you can eat of every tree. And there was also the tree of life, which will cause you to continue in the state you are eternally. Now, when God said this to Adam, he said to Adam as well, he said, but don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. Some translation says, of this death you will die. So the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is a death, of that death you will die. And when Adam eventually did that, God said to him, you'll return to dust. In other words, you'll return to the death that you came from. But I have come to give you eternal life. That's what I've come to do. So what Satan then did was he came, deceived Eve, and I believe through the love that Adam had for Eve and that union that there was, he came and followed her willfully and brought death and destruction to man. And now we can, for the first time, define salvation. Because man was now dumped into something that could eternally destroy them. The first thing God did when Adam fell into that, he said, I will not allow man to eternally live inside death. That means you can live forever inside death. But God said, I will not allow that. And he said, let us... Take man out of the garden of Eden, lest he puts his hand to the tree of life and live forever. Now, God's plan from the beginning was that man would live forever. And that he would partake of this tree of life and so live forever. So man has to, had to be in a state where he is holy, where he is righteous, where he is innocent. And if he, from that state, would then partake of the tree of life, what was in him would be sealed with eternal life. In other words, he will be eternally in that. And then that life will manifest in a way that it is the full glory of it manifests unto what is then called immortality. And then we, then not only God, but those who has partaken of this tree would be as immortal as what God is. Now, when man fell into that death, that's the first place we can actually now find uh, or a place where we would see a need for salvation. Salvation would be to save man from the death that he was in. To save man from the death that he was in. Now God could save us from, I mean Satan existed, he had all his stuff and and we can go into salvation has always been part of God's plan, which, we, which I can agree with because God would save you from the salvation that was, uh, uh, or, or the death that was out there in, in, uh, in Satan. That's what he did by, or tried to do by saying to Adam and Eve, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He wanted to keep them safe. That's one of the meanings of salvation, to keep safe from the death that was out there. 
And, but after they partook of it now, God looks at man that is in this state. And the first thing he says is, let me save man from being in a place of being eternally tortured in this death. Imagine you were in a place where if you look at the world today and the death that's in the world today and you, you could never die. My goodness, <laughs> it would be terrible. Who wants to live a thousand years in a world where we see all the lies and the death and the corruption and all the different empires coming just to enrich themselves, murderers of uh, 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 women, children, men, wars, and all this. Who wants to live for thousands of years in this? No one. Who wants to eternally live in this? No one. Now, can you see the mercy of God by saying, my judgment? Now, now this, is, this is what we call the wrath of God. This was the first manifestation of the wrath of God. Uh, when God said, you know, if you eat of this tree, you will die. It wasn't God killing people. It was God's passion for life where he warned people against that. And we see the wrath of God manifested um, inside goodness when he said, you cannot eat of that tree in the state of death because that will destroy you. That will keep you in eternal destruction wherein not even God would be able to take you out of it because you've entered eternal life of misery. And God says, I don't want that. I would rather see people die and go back to what they came from. I'd rather see people die and go back to the, to the, the, the dust they came from. I, I can rather see that, but I cannot see that they would eternally live inside this death. Now, when man was in this, and man entered a cycle where he can live, he can, be, he can be born, he can be taken from dust, he can become alive, and then as he would live, he would uh, become older and die because he doesn't have that eternal life inside his body and his body can die. So true salvation would then be to save man from death. That is it. To save man from death. Now in this life where, wherein we live, which ends in physical death, we find certain things that destroys our lives. Things like the fruit of the flesh, things like bitterness, hatred, which is not God's quality of life. Uh, things like outbursts of anger and all those kind of things, which is not God's quality of life, which we would call sins or the fruit of being in the flesh. So what God, when God looks at man, he would see, man, these things, things like a love for money, things like identity by your works, things like uh, 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 finding importance in what others say and think about you, those things are destroying my people. So if I want to save them, I would like to save them in two ways. I want to end... The power of sin, the power that brings this pain to their lives, things like bitterness, hatred, and, uh, 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 sexual immorality and all that. And then I want to save them, or, or this will then eventually result into salvation from death, physical death wherein we would have the glory of God, the full glorification that there is inside God manifest in us. 
So true salvation is actually defined in saving somebody from physical death. That is it. Now, if um, what has happened, and even in, and I can understand why this is also in grace circles. I mean, I've preached it for a very long time, and I can understand why God would say things like that. But we have, even in the grace circles, defined salvation as, um, oh, glory to God. I'm saved from uh, the anger of God by Jesus. Or I'm, I'm, saved by, I'm saved from living by the law. Or I'm saved from living condemned, you know, in those kind of things. Or, uh, I, I, Lord, help me to express this properly. Um, we've defined salvation in law terms. And I've said that before. We've defined salvation in law terms. Uh, Annette Ace, a lady in our church, said this morning that so many times we want to, we don't have uh, an alphabet or a dictionary that contains words wherein we can actually explain what God has come to do for us. It would be like um, Paul. He believed something about grace, but when he came to the people of the law, he tried to use law examples. He tried to use things about sacrifices. He tried to use Judaism. He tried to use the marital laws, which, which has been uh, part of the way they were functioning that day, to try and explain relationship and love between God and man. That's what he tried to do. He tried to say, you know, we were married to the law and we were bearing the fruit of the law inside us and now we can be married to Christ. And all, and all those kind of things are still typology. It is still types and shadows and examples of the real, but it's not even explaining the real thing because what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to use law language, law terminology. Um, actually, what he's, what he's doing is he says... Um, I want to speak to you like spiritual people, but I can't because you are too fleshly. So I will use fleshly things, law-based things to try and explain what I mean. Um, and when we, when we come to this message of eternal life, it's almost the same. We have to come to a place where we say, uh, let's use law-based terms to try and explain this. Now, if we have two different logics, if I've got... And I've used this and I'm going to use this and um, I don't want you to stone me, but if you want to stone me, what can I say? This example is a good example and will help many people. I've traveled, um, let me say this, if I use the eternal life, found, eternal life message when we are saved from physical death and we will have immortality in our body as a foundation or as a logic from where I interpret my salvation and where Jesus, what Jesus Christ has come to do, and I, and I want to liken it to a salvation message wherein I believe that God gave the law, we didn't obey the law, we became guilty before God, somebody had to take that punishment, Jesus took that punishment, and now we are saved from the anger of God, and therefore we cannot go to hell. Uh, it would be difficult to understand each other, because the, the one logic and the other logic doesn't have the same words in its dictionary to talk to each other. It would be like um, uh, in, in South Africa. I'm sure this is it's like this all over the world in different countries. But if I look at South Africa, if I look at Africa, this is my experience. When I, uh, when I went to Zambia, a pastor there that's very wise gave me some, some advice. I purchased a piece of land in Zambia, about, I think it's four acres. 
And he said to me, Bert, I want to explain something to you that you might, uh, that will help you in living in this country. If you buy that land and you put a fence around that land because you've purchased it, the people that live here will never understand that. They will see that you have stolen the land from them and your piece of paper that you have that you've that says you bought it from the government doesn't mean anything to them. Because for thousands of years, those people lived under kingdoms where no man could ever be the owner of any land. And we come from Europe with a mindset of you can buy land. Now, as difficult as what it would be for us to say, if I've paid for land, that land doesn't belong to me. I mean, your mind just, your, your logic, that's not logical. That means that doesn't flow with the basic principle from where I reason. It's not logical. In the same way with them, if you say you've purchased land, they will say, buy land? What do you mean? And now, if people come from somewhere, from Europe or from wherever, and they buy land in Africa, the, the people that bought the land would say, this is our land. But the people that, according to my logic, previously owned the land would say, but what does buy mean? Buy means nothing. This land is our land. It's always been our land. The one day the one guy's got an opportunity to use it, the next day the other guy's got an opportunity to use it. And from this different two logics, these people can sit around the table and talk as much as what they like, but they're never going to understand each other. What needs to happen is these two people need to be educated into a new logic, which they would then both believe. And if both of them believe, then they will have the same vocabulary, they will have the same understanding and meaning about words and stuff, and then they will be able to communicate to each other. Other than that, they would never be able to communicate. We find that in politics all over the world. I laugh, you know, because you look at the Democrats, the Republicans, they try and say the same thing, but they use different words and they will never understand each other. It's just the way, because they don't have the same logic. In the same way, you cannot understand the logic that is inside eternal life if you want to approach it from an angry God that took his anger out on people's perspective. It can never work. It will never work. So we need to come to a place where we say, Lord, I want to see, my, I want to see the, the, the wrong logic crucified. I want to see the system of separation between people, separation between us and God, a God and angry God wherein, wherein he gave laws whereby we need to live. And I, I want to see that logic crucified. Because the moment you can see that old logic crucified, the moment we can come and say, well, we come to a place where we see the system of good works leads unto something and God actually wants to come and save us from our sins so that we can do good works because if we do good works, it, will, it blesses him and blesses us and that it will give us eternal life and all those kind of things. If we can see that old system crucified and we can come to the foundational message which was where, where God came to save man from physical death by giving him a quality of life that is so powerful that death cannot keep it down and that it will spring up into immortality, you know, then we'll start to understand much more 
of the word, we'll start to value the first fruit of that eternal life. We'll start to value people. That's what it will be. What, it, what it's all about. Now, if we are not saved from the anger of God, if we are not saved from hell, but saved from death. Now, let me just say something about hell here before we read scriptures. We've had this concept, uh, which was not verbally uh, uh, expressed, but this is what I found in my life and in some other folk, you know, what was in their subconscious mind. It was almost like there was a heaven and there was a hell. And then God, from the heaven's perspective, created the heaven and the earth. And then... He made man, and he had all these things, but he had hell here, a place of torment and burning and fire and all those kind of things for the purpose of punishing anything that is not in line with what he says. But that is not the creation account. The creation account does not say God created a hell. That, that, is not, that is not the truth. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word. What is this word? This is what John 1 says. It is the word, the message that God gives immortality. It is the message that God gives eternal life. That was the word which was from the beginning. That is the word. The message, uh, the, the message that Adam had from the beginning is, here is a tree of life for you. The message that Adam, the message that God gave Adam, even when he was just put out of the garden, and this we can go and read, all, read in some, some books that is um, in the Apocrypha and those kind of things. What he was saying was that to Adam was, listen, although you put out of the garden, I promise you that in five and a half thousand years, I will come and I will bring you eternal life. I will come and I will bring you back to this place where you can have immortality, where you can have eternal life. You'll have access to the tree of life again because it was all about immortality. It was all about taking something that is from dust, which is dead, and giving it eternal life. And when this, when, when, when this being wanted to return back unto dust, God said, I will not keep this being in this process where it's halfway between life and death. I will allow it to go there. But I can raise someone from the grave. If he has the spirit of life, I can raise him up. Now, um, let us go to John chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the message, or the word, and this message was with God, and this message is actually God himself. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made or came into existence by this message of life which is seen as a person, which is Jesus. So what it, listen to what it says here. It says there was a word. And look at what John is trying to convey here. It says, in the beginning there was a word. There was a message. This message brought everything you can see into existence. 
And now we're going to apply that message to your life and will bring forth the original life that existed in the mind of God long before you were made, what God thought about you, what God planned for you. It will give birth to that in you. Amen. All things were made by him and all things, uh, and nothing was made that was made without him. In this word was life, and the life is the light of man. So what he says is, God had a message from before time. God had a message from the beginning that says, I promise you my immortality. You went to dust, which was temporal. You must realize the earth wasn't in, inside e eternity. The earth was, came out of nothing. It came out of God created it. And then it was there. So there's time connected. It wasn't from eternity unto eternity. It has got a beginning and it will have an end. But God says, I will take this which is in the temporal and I will bring it into the eternal and then it shall have the ability to live my life. And the only way it can happen, it can ever happen, is if God incarnates that dust. Now, God is spirit. And when this dust, which was made alive, can receive the spirit of God, which is the spirit of life, that spirit of life can never fail in bringing life and immortality to that dust. Satan wanted to end that, and we fell, fell victim under Satan's plan. And God said, I'm going to save you from this plan of the devil, and I'm going to bring forth my original plan in you. It's not about saving us from an angry God. It's not about uh, 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 the, the good news gospel. It's not the good news that you don't have to tithe anymore. The good news gospel is not the good news that you don't have to go to church anymore. That's not the good news. The good news is that you never have to die. <laughs> that is the good news. And even if you die, I want to tell you, even if you die, you cannot die. The way God sees people that has died is not that they are dead. He sees that they are asleep. That they are sleeping. To them it's not death. To, to, uh, to him it's not death. He will wake them all up from the grave in the return of Christ. And we shall find that immortality living in us. And when we have received the spirit of life, the word which is the promise of life is called the spirit of life. The Bible says the word is the spirit. So the message of eternal life is what we call the spirit of life, which I believe many of us have not even heard of. We are just so happy that, 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 that the good news is not that God is not angry with you anymore. That is not the good news. The good news is that God has never been angry and that he has always kept, kept your the original plan that he had with you, which is immortality, in the front of his mind, in his heart, in his actions, and that is what he wants to bring forth in you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Man, if you don't enjoy this message, I really enjoyed myself. Right. <laughs> in him was life, and that message of life is what enlightens man. The message of life is what enlightens man. Now let's go and look at that message of life. John 3. It says, John 3, 36. 
It says, He that believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he that believes not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. What is the wrath of God? The wrath of God is when God said, if you don't eat of this tree, of this tree you'll die. That is the wrath of God. For God will not join and give eternal life to something that's going to give, keep people in a place of torture and a place of death. He's not going to say, I'm going to allow you to be in this eternal state between life and death where you've got cancer inside your body and this cancer will last eternally. Where you have the misery of a marriage that's not good or the misery of living in a world where people kill and destroy each other and you can never die. He's not going to do that. Now this kind of things has not been has not been preached. I haven't read this in a book somewhere. I didn't learn this from some Bible school or something. You might say, well, Bertie, we can hear that. Well, that's okay. You know, think of this, ponder upon this, and let this um, flood your heart. And, and if you like it, go with it. Um, if you don't, you know, I'm, uh, I, I've, uh, this has convinced me. It's given me life. Right. So here it says, Verily I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into the condemnation of death, but has passed from death unto life. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink the blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. Do you see, whosoever eats the flesh of Jesus has eternal life, therefore he will possess immortality. It's a difference between eternal life and immortality. Immortality is the fruit of eternal life. Eternal life is the quality of God's life because you start to believe what God believes. And once that seed is inside you, it will start to bring forth, it will start to have effect in you. It will have the effect of kindness because it is now saving you it's it's starting to end the process of death in you so the moment you've believed the truth that god will raise me from the dead that god has conquered sin and death that the promise that god has towards me is immortality when i start to believe that that spirit of life has entered into me and you find a plant germinate a seed germinate and then you find a leaf come forth and it sprouts out of the ground and you start to see it grow and grow and grow and eventually that plant will bear fruit now, the bearing of the fruit in this analogy is the immortality. But now we see when we've believed this truth about immortality, about what God has promised us, about the victory that God has over sin and death, the, about the victory, um, you know, wherein it's not the good news of God's not angry anymore, but the good news of I will live and never die. That is the good news. Now, I want to say, God says that those who are alive, those who are alive at his return will be changed. And those that has died shall be raised first, and then these shall be changed. So, in God's eyes, those that are alive at his return is not ahead of those who has passed away, because death has got no more voice. You know, my father-in-law, we buried him, is it a week ago? A week ago. And he was cremated. Now, when we had his funeral and he was cremated, but the dust that he is now doesn't 
stand any chance against the spirit that has indwelt that dust when he was alive on this earth. That dust has got no voice anymore. It will never have a voice. Even if we take the dust, throw it on the mountains, and the rain comes and washes it into the ocean, into nothingness, that nothingness cannot stand against the power that raised one man from the dead that was dead with the death of all people. It cannot stand against it. So when we hear the gospel of the message of life, what will happen to us? That spirit of life will enter us. And as that spirit enters us, we will see a plant that seed germinate. And we will see a leaf called long suffering. We will see another leaf called kindness. We will see another thing springing forth in us called, uh, 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 you know, more leaves and plant growing in a stem and all those kind of things called generosity, called uh, um, faithfulness and all those kind of things come forth. And when we see this in our life, we will treasure it because we will say, oh my goodness, this is the very proof. This is the very first fruit of what is going to happen to me. The process is already starting. And we will find such a value for good works. We will find such, we will say this thing that's happening to me is holiness. It is the work of the almighty God. Wherein it is not a thing about, well, is it the right thing to do? Or is it the wrong thing to do? Listen to me, when I believe this, you know, being generous or being kind is not about right and wrong. It's got nothing to do with the knowledge of good and evil. It's got nothing to do with right and wrong whatsoever. It's got everything to do with God that has saved me and has uh, um, activated his life in me and I'm starting to see its fruit. And now when I see that fruit, what will I do? I will protect that fruit with everything that's in me. And the way I'll protect that fruit is by saying, I'll only hear the message of life and I don't want to hear anything about death. I don't want to. And when I talk about death, people, I'm talking about physical death. You see what we've done. And I think this is why many people don't receive the gospel. Is, the, is because of the following reason. When we say, you know, um, we're just going to be saved from hell. Then people will say, well, you know, I can still do good works. My good works might mean something and, and those kind of things. Because hell is not something you can see. It is, it, it is in the unseen kind of. Heaven is something you cannot see. It is in the unseen. And, and you sit here with heaven and hell and you're not sure what it is about. And you, are, you can still be deceived into thinking that you can be saved from hell by your good works or by uh, uh, anything like that. But if I come to you and I say to you, listen, salvation is not about heaven and hell. It's about being saved from physical death. Then... If you can believe that, and you can say, well, I'm in a place where I am in the temporal, in the hope that I can enter the eternal, but as long as when I look in the mirror, I can see that this physical body is still inside the temporal, and I can, I can love my neighbor, I can be kind, I can do all those kind of things, and I find I still become older, I become gray, my beard is gray, like the one guy says, you know, um, th this was... A a guy that was still, you know, um, he's an older, older uh, a black guy, and he came to me when he saw me at the funeral. He said to me, I knew when you were young 
the young, you were a young, a young boss, but I see now you become an old boss because of this gray beard. So, and that was his, his way of trying to say, tell me, listen, I see you really becoming old. And I said the same with you. You know, you're becoming gray. Now, imagine I tried not to score points with God because the gospel is not that we have now Jesus scored all the points for us. That's not the gospel. The gospel is the message that God can raise you from the dead even if you've died. Now, if you want to come with your works mentality, you must come and say, listen, my works can keep me from death and aging. Now, if people can hear the truth, then they will easily, they don't need 20 reasons to try and find that their system is not working. They can just go and look in the mirror. And you might say, but Bertie, you can go and look in the mirror. Is your gospel working? Listen, my gospel is the following. The death that I am in now has got no voice. And even if I die, I'll be raised. For I have seen a man that died my death and was raised. Therefore, immortality belongs to me. And he promised me that he will come back to the earth and raise me up. And I've seen him raise the dead when he was upon the earth. I see the fruit of his spirit inside me. The fruit of his spirit inside me brings forth kindness, help. I want to save people from sickness, disease, and all those kind of things. I want to save them from lies. Well, if that's the fruit of him inside me, what will he bring forth in me but life from the dead? <laughs> Glory to God. God has come to give you life, church, and only life. This is about Lazarus. You know, Lazarus, Lazarus, Lazarus died. Jesus said, no, Lazarus, he's asleep. He's not dead. He's asleep. And then he went to the fleshly language that the people understood. He says, okay, let me tell you straight out. Lazarus is dead. But in his eyes, he was just sleeping. Jesus was not even in a hurry to get there. Because if he would raise him in one day, two days, three days, ten days, a million years... It doesn't matter. It's the same thing to him. He's just sleeping. I'm just going to wake him up. As what my wife would fall asleep and have a nice nap, you know, I'm not stressed out about it. She's just sleeping. And she can wake up. That's how Jesus saw this. And then he came, he said to them, do you believe that he will be raised? They said, listen to what, what they said to Jesus. They said, Jesus, Jesus, I believe that in the last day he can be raised. Jesus says, listen, I am the resurrection and the life. And what did he do? He raised Lazarus, and the raising of Lazarus was not that resurrection. The raising of Lazarus was a sign that he possesses power over death. So that we today can look at Lazarus, so that we today can look at the cross and the resurrection, and can say, we have been saved from death, and we can now be a partaker of something only God is a partaker of, which is immortality, which is the promise God has given us. Glory to God, church. Let's see if there's another verse that I wanted to get to here. If you want to read about God, the only immortal, you can read that in 1 Timothy 6.16, who only has immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and glory everlasting. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? It says here, uh, uh, but is now made manifest by the appearing of the, of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Listen, the time has come when we need to hear about immortality. And as I have put forth a book 
on finances and has preached the tithing thing for a long time, for many years, and brought this emphasis and will continue to preach that. I'm not going to stop. In the very same way, the, the, the true gospel needs to be preached, which is the promise of immortality. That's it. You know, we have made it such a cheap thing. We've made immortality just a given. You know, everybody is immortal. No, that's not true. That's not true. God said you were taken from dust to dust, you'll return. So uh, uh, th that is how we define death. So in the very same way, I believe we must come and w when, we, when we believe what I've just preached, you'll start to value life with everything in you. You will find such great joy when a baby is born, man. Because wow, dust has came alive. And this dust has got the opportunity to be a partaker of its immortality, which was defined in Christ and proven in Jesus. And this being can be part of me, I can be part of this being, and we can be united with God, and we can experience the fullness of God eternally. And you know what will happen? I end off with this. The Bible says that creation waits. Creation groans. And we co-groan with creation, Romans 8, waiting for the adoption. What is this adoption? The redemption of our bodies. You know, we have preached, we waiting for the Antichrist. We wait for the... Some say Donald Trump's the Antichrist. Some say this guy's the Antichrist. Some say we are so Antichrist-minded. We not the gospel was not await the Antichrist. The gospel, the groaning in the heart of Paul, the groaning in the heart of creation is not who's the next Antichrist, what blood moons, and all that rubbish. The, 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 the gospel is the message wherein we have a promise of immortality to the point that we and creation groan. And as we are groaning, what do we do? The Bible says we patiently wait for the fulfillment of this promise. For hope that is received is not hope anymore. And now we have a hope. We've got the knowledge that we are still having this earthen vessel with weakness. Therefore, this earthen vessel with its weakness has got no voice. For I've got something much greater, which is the glorification of this earthen vessel. So now, if I've picked up five kilograms or 10 pounds, or if I've, I, I age, or if my eyesight goes bad, or if I've even got some sickness or disease, I don't care. It has no voice, because the promise cannot be contained in healing. The promise cannot be contained in eyesight. The promise cannot be contained if I sit in a nice studio and preach and having an expensive camera. It cannot be defined in that. The only thing that can define me is not going to heaven. Glory to God. Going to heaven is not the fulfillment of the promise. The fulfillment of the promise is when that grave opens up and you become immortal. Or if you are changed into immortality in the twinkling of an eye. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, church, that's what I've had upon my heart. And I trust that this has found you well and blessed you. <laughs> Glory to God. Let us just pray together. Father, I want to thank you that when we look at a seed, we can never, if we've never seen the plant, and we just look at the seed, we can never imagine what the plant would look like. And in the very same way, the body we have now is like a seed. And when it dies, it is planted like a seed. 
to be raised up in the plant it originally was. And we know that we have a glimpse into what that plant would look like. For you say, through John, that in the day you appear, we will be as you are. We know right now in this world we are as you, as you are. Yet we've got a shortcoming which is our physical bodies not being immortal. But in the day you return, we will approach you boldly because as you shine like the sun in your physical body, as you have immortality inside you, cleansed from every ability to have flesh manifest its death in you, we will shine like the suns. We will shine with you in your kingdom as it manifests upon this earth. And thank you that we can have this spirit of life in us now. And we can see the first fruit of this spirit by science, wonders, miracles, words of knowledge, things that just transcend the dimensions of this world. Thank you for your anointed message, Lord. I pray for these people in, in our internet church and everybody that visits and watch today. I declare to them that you are the blessed of God. You are loved by God and eternal life belongs to you. Amen, amen. Isn't that good news? <laughs> Glory to God is good news, man. It's good news. If you've got any questions, uh, please uh, go. This is the first thing you can do. You can go to my... Um, to my website, you will see we've changed some stuff there. And if you go to uh, video messages, you will see that there is frequently asked questions. And just go through there and see maybe if the question you have has already been answered in video format there and you can watch it. You can also share that with people. The answers is not very long. I think the longest I've had there is like 13 minutes or something. Mostly it's two, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. Um, if you have any questions, please uh, write, uh, please send your questions to info at dynamicministries.com and we would love to answer that as we have time and as, as we can, obviously. Um, other than that, please contact any of our web pastors and um, speak to them about what's upon, upon your heart and uh, if you need counsel, uh, slot into one of our face-to-face -face groups. You know, which is like a cell group, you know, via the web. Start to speak to people that's like-minded. And sometimes you don't need another word from God in the sense of, here's this scripture, that scripture. You just need somebody, you know the truth, you're just going through a hard time and just need people to walk with you through that. That's why those groups are there. Thank you so much. Know that you are the loved of God and I will see you again next Sunday. God bless.